This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Thank you for downloading the webinars podcast from Bitesize Bio, the missing manual for bioscientists. The full version of this webinar can be viewed by navigating to bitesizebio.com slash webinars and clicking on the name of the sponsor, which can be found in the list on the right-hand side of the page. Hello, this is Amanda Welch welcoming you to this Bitesized Bio web seminar, which today is titled The Best of Both Worlds, Combining Light Sheet and Confocal Microscopy, and is sponsored by Leica Microsystems. Leica Microsystems is a market leader in microscopy, providing wide-field, stereo, and confocal solutions, specifically for biological research. Last year, Leica proudly celebrated 10 years of pioneering super-resolution innovation. We are committed to educational initiatives that provide application and technical know-how through media such as webinars and via the Leica Science Lab Knowledge Portal. The webinar is being presented by Dr. Petra Haas and Dr. Florian Farbach. Petra studied biology at the University of Heidelberg and the University of Massachusetts. In 2003, she moved to the Max Planck Institute for Developmental Biology in Tübingen to study collective migration in the zebrafish lateral line. She finished her PhD in 2007 at EMBL in Heidelberg and continued working on fish development, now using Medaka as a model organism. After one year as technical support specialist at Thermo Fisher Scientific, she joined Leica Microsystems in 2012 as a product manager for confocal software and the digital light sheet, DLS. Florian studied physics at the University of Freiburg and at Imperial College London. Starting in 2006, he worked on light sheet microscopy with Bessel beam illumination for his diploma thesis, and from 2008 on for his doctoral thesis under the supervision of Professor Alexander Rohrbach. In 2012, he joined Jan Huskin's lab at the Max Planck Institute for Molecular Cell Biology and Genetics as a postdoc to work on different types of light sheet microscopy with a strong emphasis on zebrafish development. Since October 2014, he became an application developer at Leica Microsystems. We will have a brief question and answer session after the presentation. Please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right side of your screen. And I'll put them to Petra and Florian at the end of the webinar. So now, over to you, Petra and Florian, for the presentation. Thank you, Amanda. Welcome also from me to today's webinar on the best of both worlds combining light sheet and confocal microscopy. Our presentation will be split in two parts. The first part will be given by me. It will be an introduction to light sheet microscopy and confocal microscopy. The second part will cover the Leica DLS, the light sheet solution, and it will be given by Petra Haas. The general field of application that we are talking about today is microscopy of three-dimensional fluorescent structures. You can see an example of such a structure on the right side of the slide, where it is represented by a random distribution of fluorophores. The simplest way to image such a sample is to use epifluorescence excitation, where the entire sample is illuminated and the fluorescence is excited everywhere within the sample. The fluorescence is collected by an objective lens and imaged onto a camera by a tube lens. 
the result that you obtain in this case is such an image, where you can see some clear structured structures, but also a lot of blur. The general impression is that this image lacks contrast. The reason for this is that only a thin plane within the sample is in focus of the detection optics, which is indicated here by a black dotted line. Only objects in this focal plane are imaged sharply onto the camera sensor, and you can see, for example, for this sphere, which I show the detection fluorescence part. Objects below and above the focal plane are imaged onto larger regions onto the camera, and therefore they appear blurred. Indicated by the red arrow, you can see the image of the out-of-focus objects that lie in front of or behind the sensor, and the collected fluorescence is therefore not concentrated on a small spot on the camera, which gives you the blurred impression of the image. If fluorescence from an extended three-dimensional volume is imaged by a camera, the blurred images of out-of-focus planes superimposes the crisp image of the in-focus plane that you can see here below the image of the entire volume. To obtain high-contrast images, there's only one solution. You have to get rid of the background, and this is called optical sectioning. By the but the major question is how to achieve optical sectioning, which means to collect only fluorescence from objects that are located in close proximity to the focal plane of the objective lens. The microscopy technique that has become to be known as the gold standard for optical sectioning for much more than a decade now is confocal microscopy. What confocal microscopy does is that instead of illuminating the entire volume at once, a beam is focused onto the single spot into the sample. The fluorescence is then collected by a point detector. However, also for a single focused beam, Fluorescence is excited away from the focal plane, for example, from the point that is marked by an X. Therefore, a pinhole is introduced in the detection path. This pinhole strongly suppresses the fluorescence that is excited away from the focal plane of the detection lens. As you can see, only a small fraction of the light out of the out-of-focus fluorescence can pass through the pinhole. In this regard, one can view confocal microscopy as a technique where optical sectioning is achieved on the detection side, not on the illumination side. Confocal microscopy wastes a lot of light as the huge majority of the excited fluorescence is rejected by the pinhole. When the fluorescence that molecules emit is rejected by a pinhole, it would, of course, be better not to excite those molecules at all in the first place. This can be done, for example, by two-photon point-scanning microscopy. The nonlinear dependence of the fluorescence means that the illumination can only excite molecules very close to the focal region. However, there is another aspect of point-scanning microscopy that has to do with the way the image is generated. Confocal microscopy is a point-scanning system. To obtain images in confocal microscopy, a single beam is scanned across the sample point by point, and the fluorescence is collected for each location separately, one after another. The time needed to acquire an entire image with a point-scanning system scales with the size of the image and the exposure time. 
the larger the image gets, the more time is needed to raster scan it. It's very important at this point, at uh, this moment, to point out that for a given frame rate, the time that can be spent at a single point scales inversely with the number of pixels. So all the photons that contribute to the signal at a single point in the image have to be collected in a fraction of the total time that is needed for the entire frame. There is no parallelization of the illumination intensity. And it is required to be quite high and potential saturation of the fluorophores need to be taken into account. Confocal microscopy therefore exposes the sample to more light than would actually be necessary to generate an image. On the one hand, it requires high intensities as the time spent at a single position is very short. On the other hand, it rejects a lot of fluorescence light. In the figure on the right, the blue shaded region indicates the irradiated volume whereas the green line indicates the image slice within the sample. For each two-dimensional image plane in the sample, the entire volume needs to be irradiated. But what this also means is that when you image only a limited number of planes, then this is not really a problem. Confocal microscopy is therefore absolutely fine when samples are quite flat and extended in the plane transverse to the optical axis of the microscope. At this point, it seems obvious to ask the question, what other means are there to excite fluorescence within the green area more efficiently? Better than rejecting out-of-focus fluorescence are approaches that confine the illumination to the focal plane of the detection lens. This is the underlying principle of light sheet microscopy, where the illumination optics are spatially separated from the detection optics. As you can see on the figure, in the figure on the right, as its name already states, a thin sheet of light is used to illuminate the sample from the side and the illumination axis lies perpendicular to the viewing direction. The fluorescence captured from the entire field of view of the detection lens is then imaged onto a camera. This means that an entire image containing millions of pixels can be acquired at once, and the light sheet microscope can rely on the latest developments in light-efficient and extremely fast camera technology like the latest SCMOS cameras. Due to the parallelization, the intensity of the illumination does not need to be especially strong anymore, because each spot can be illuminated for the entire time that it takes to record the image and not just for a fraction. To record three-dimensional image stacks, the sample is moved along the detection axis through the light sheet while several images are recorded with an equidistant space. The obvious question to address first when thinking about building a light sheet microscope is the best way to generate the light sheet. In the first setups, a cylindrical lens was used to focus a conventional laser beam directly into the sample. This approach works fine for large samples and moderate resolution requirements. However, cylindrical lenses are not available at sufficiently high quality to generate light sheets with a thickness of much less than 10 microns. So the second iteration was to use a cylindrical lens in combination with a microscope objective lens to transform a Gaussian laser beam into a beam with an elliptical cross-section, as you can see it in the illustration below. 
the transverse dimension of the beam along the x-axis, which lies in the image plane, is much larger than the extension along the z-axis, which is the optical axis of the detection objective. Using a cylindrical lens has major advantages of illuminating the entire field of view simultaneously so that very low intensities can be used. On the other hand, there are also three major problems. The first concerns the illumination homogeneity along the lateral x-axis. Because the beam has a Gaussian profile, the intensity decreases towards the borders of the image. Also, the illumination is not confined to the field of view, and there is a substantial amount of excess illumination along the x-axis. Of course, it is possible to reduce the drop-off across the field of view simply by making the light sheet broader. However, this causes more excess illumination of parts of the sample outside the field of view. And at the same time, the relative portion of the laser power that can be used to excite fluorophores within the field of view declines, so that either stronger lasers may be needed or the exposure time may need to be increased. The second aspect concerns the adaptation of the dimensions of the light sheet. The width of the light sheet along the x-axis depends on the focal length of the cylindrical lens, and cylindrical zoom lenses are not readily available. Also, some combinations of illumination beams depth of field and widths require extreme focal lengths of the cylindrical lens. The third aspect concerns the scattering artifacts. This is a very special topic that I cannot cover here in detail, but it has been shown that due to the spatial coherence of the light sheet, the light scattered by the sample may interfere with the non-scattered light, that it, it, and this interference may lead to pronounced stripes in the image along the illumination axis. The second option to generate the light sheet is to scan a Gaussian beam with circular symmetry along the axis across the field of view. The scanning speed needs to be fast enough to scan across the sample at least once during the exposure time of the camera. While the beam does not cover the entire field of view simultaneously, it still illuminates several tens of thousands of pixels in parallel. Therefore, the technique works with lower laser powers than light sheet microscopy with cylindrical lenses. Also, it exposes the sample to irradiation intensities that are very low compared to confocal microscopy. Using a scanned beam to generate the light sheet is that this approach makes it very easy to adapt the width of the light sheet along the x-axis. This can be done by simply adapting the scan range. The resulting illumination is extremely homogeneous across the field of view, independent of the size of the field of view. Also, the excess illumination is very limited because it is proportional to the width of the beam, which is much smaller than for a light sheet generated by a cylindrical lens. As mentioned before, the strength of the scattering artifacts, which depends on the spatial coherence of the light sheet, is much lower because the spatial coherence here is lower, and scattered light cannot interfere as much with the illumination at other position along the x-axis because they are illuminated at different time points. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bitesize Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. In conclusion, 
Light sheet microscopy is characterized by two important properties that define the major benefits of light sheet microscopy. As I explained before, as light sheet microscopy is very efficient, it confines the illumination light to the focal plane of the detection lens and excites only the fluorophores that can be imaged sharply onto the camera. Second, the illumination and detection in a light sheet microscope are highly parallelized. It is a camera-based system where tens of thousands of pixels detected the fluorescence at the same time. These two properties mean that light sheet microscopy can be used to image very quickly at high speeds. It is a very, very fast technology. It can also therefore be used to record extremely fast processes. On the other hand, it is also a very gentle technology. The damage done to the sample by photo bleaching or by photo, photo absorption is kept at a minimum because illumination intensity and overall power are strongly reduced in comparison to any other technique. But after all I've said about the advantages of light sheet microscopy in the last slide, one might come to ask the question. Some microscope developers already read to bury confocal microscopy. So is there still a reason to use confocal microscopy? On the next two slides, I would like to point out three aspects that will hopefully convince you that both light sheet and confocal microscopy are very important techniques. It is up to the user to know about the technologies and then to choose the one that suits the application best. The first one concerns the optical sectioning performance. Of course, the illumination beam in a light sheet microscope is subject to diffraction, which leads to beam spreading. The Gaussian illumination beams are characterized by the waist size dy, the smaller waist for a given wavelength, the stronger the divergence of the beam. In light sheet microscopy, a relative increase of the beam diameter or the light sheet thickness of square root of 2 across the field of view is deemed to be acceptable. This value corresponds to the so-called Rayleigh range for Gaussian beams. In the list shown on this slide, you can see that the thickness of 4 microns can be achieved for light sheet that has a length of approximately 240 microns. Smaller fields of view can be illuminated by thinner light sheets, while thicker light sheets are required for, to cover larger areas. Even if the exact values on this slide are for Gaussian beams only, the proportionality between the thickness and the length of the light sheet holds true for any kind of illumination beam, also the very popular Bessel beams. Even if recent publication may suggest otherwise. The only benefit from Bessel beams is that the resolution may be better under ideal circumstances. But the thickness of the light sheet for Bessel beams, and therefore the optical sectioning performance, are inferior to Gaussian beams, and also they get worse for larger fields of view. The message that I would like to send to you by showing this slide is that, other than in confocal microscopy, the optical sectioning performance of any light sheet microscopes depends on the size of the field of view. And this is in contrast to confocal microscopy. Another important aspect is, of course, the ease of use. So the first important aspect, the other important aspect that I would like to point out to you is sample accessibility. Confocal microscopy requires only a single lens because illumination and detection axes are anti-parallel. Therefore, there is no need to optically access the sample from the side. 
This makes point scanning confocal systems ideal for deep intravital microscopy, such as imaging of neurons deep in the brain of living mice, for example. As a second point, I would like to address the performance in scattering tissue. Confocal microscopy benefits from the fact that it is a point scanning technique so that no that crosstalk between neighboring pixels is much reduced in comparison to a system like light sheet microscopy, which is based on wide field detection. The graph shows the resolution performance against the penetration depths into scattering tissues with various imaging techniques. On the bottom, the depth is indicated in terms of MFP, which is an abbreviation for mean free path. When you think of the light in terms of single photons traveling through the medium, that occasionally bounce off an obstacle, then the mean-free path is the distance after which the photon is scattered on average. The graph is not necessarily quantitatively precise, as I doubt that it is based on actual measurements. Also, it is already a couple of years old, so some values may have changed in the meantime. But the graph still makes an important point. At low penetration depths, so in the lower left part of the graph, the resolution achieved by light sheet microscopy is approximately the same as for confocal microscopy. However, for deeper penetration depth into the sample, the techniques perform differently, and point scanning techniques may achieve higher resolution. The reason is, as mentioned before, that there is less crosstalk between adjacent pixels. I would like to close my part of this webinar with a summary that is supposed to give you a good overview of the respective advantages of the two techniques. I will hand over to Petra now to present the Leica DLS system. So hello also from my side. Thank you, Florian, for your very nice presentation. I would like now to use the remainder of the time to present you one of the latest um, Leica innovations, which is following up on what you've just heard from Florian. Uh, I would like to introduce to you the new DLS LightSheet module, which can be combined with the Bruin SP8 um, Confocal platform. Um, on this picture, you can see the Leica SP8 digital light sheet, which does not look very different from any other SP8 Confocal uh, on an inverted microscope stand. It offers all, um, all the options to do either confocal or light sheet imaging or even to, combone, uh, to combine both. Um, just a quick recapitulation from what you just heard. So by the design of the light sheet setup, this technology provides a very gentle way of imaging samples. While in confocal and in conventional wide field imaging, you would illuminate a complete volume to acquire single plane. Light sheet microscopes only illuminate the plane from which the fluorescence is collected at that particular moment. Hence, the potential photo damage is reduced to the single plane. And the second important key feature that Florian mentioned as well is um, that, of course, um, the imaging speed. Due to the parallelized wide field acquisition, very high frame rates can be achieved. So, uh, we explained already the principles of light sheet imaging. So the question now would be how the light sheet technology with illumination and detection perpendicular to each other is integrated into the vertical axis of an inverted microscope. And I would like to use the following animation to show you one possible solution. So um, the animation starts with the conventional light sheet arrangement where detection and illumination objectives are oriented in 90 degree angle towards each other. Uh, we take now the detection objective 
field and attach a mirror device equipped with these two mirroring surfaces. The sample is positioned in between the mirrors. From below, the illumination objective is placed in the turret of the inverted microscope, leading to our vertical setup. The excitation light can be directed either to the right or the left side of the mirror in order to illuminate the sample from both sides. And by scanning now the laser light uh, very fast along the mirror surface, we can generate the light sheet, the so-called um, virtual light sheet. During the calibration routine, the aim is to bring the light sheet now in such a position that it overlaps with the focal plane of the detection objective. And now we can simply move the specimen through the light sheet in order to optically section the sample and to get a volumetric 3D image. So illumination from the side, a major hallmark of light sheet imaging, is maintained in this setup by the implementation of the, uh, the twin flag mirror device. Um, and this arrangement of uh, illumination and detection objectives is integrated into the vertical axis of the inverted microscope. Around the arrangement of these two objectives, there's the SP8 confocal scanner on one side, which is used for the generation of the light sheet. And any confocal laser source in the visible range can be used um, um, for the generation of the light sheet. On the upper side, the DLS module uh, makes sure that the fluorescent light from the illuminated plane gets transferred to the camera chip um, of the attached SCMOS camera. Um, once a confocal is turned into a light sheet machine by addition of the DLS module, there are no compromises um, on confocal functionality. If a user would like to use, for example, the transmission light detector, which is um, positioned here um, during confocal imaging, one can simply exchange the DLS objective holder, with, which hosts the detection objective for light sheet imaging, with a regular condenser. And in this way, uh, full flexibility is maintained. The control of the light sheet module is fully integrated into the confocal software, LASX. And like that, both worlds are really just one click apart from each other. Now let's have a look at some key applications. Suited for light sheet imaging are fairly transparent specimens, such as embryos. Also, imaging of larger samples is possible, whereas with the proposed setup, the short axis of your sample should, not be, should be in the range of not more than two millimeters, and the long axis of the used samples is only limited by the dimensions of the mounting dish. Um, one can now, of course, uh, do long-term experiments with good spatial and temporal resolution, and also look at very dynamic processes where speed is an issue. This is a time-lapse movie of a Drosophila embryo labeled with nuclear RFP. Um, the fly was imaged continuously for a period of six hours, and uh, as you can see now, the dorsal closure, which is this morphogenetic process, falls within the imaging um, period. We observed no sign of bleaching whatsoever, even though there was no delay between the individual stacks of about 150 micrometer in size. Here's an example of a long-term time-lapse movie of zebrafish development. Uh, we looked at the migration of the lateral line primordium over a period of 17 hours. And uh, in this movie, you see a two-colored acquisition 
where um, a cluster of cells is moving along the flank of the embryo in order to deposit in its wake these clusters of cells which will develop into the neurosensory um, organs. Um, for highly dynamic processes, the achievement of high frame rates is crucial in order to resolve important details. Here we see, um, we're supposed to see um, a beating zapperfish heart at around 120 frames per second. And actually, in fact, individual, individual planes were imaged sequentially and aligned using a post-processing algorithm. The next example shows the recording of chloroplast movement in the water plant Elodea. And here you can nicely follow individual organelles which are visualized by recording the autofluorescent signal. This here gives you the maximum projection of actin flow in yeast cells at a time interval of 1.2 seconds. And this movie was recorded with a 25x detection objective with a numerical aperture of 0.95. Um, so from the small yeast cells, we now scale up to look at whole organs. And uh, this image shows a depth-coded representation of the eye of an adult Drosophila fly. Whereas uh, here you can see the 3D volume of mouse embryonic kidney imaged with the DLS module. So in addition to the more general advantages of light sheet imaging that we talked about before, just now like the gentle way of imaging, as well as the possibility to acquire images rapidly, the vertical implementation of this technology into the confocal platform offers additional benefits. Um, I'd like to start with the two-sided illumination. And uh, in most light sheet setups, uh, the two-sided illumination, as you can see on the left side, is, is realized by an arrangement of, of two, of two um, illumination objectives, where the, those are combined with one detection objective. In the DLS module, the two-sided illumination is achieved with a single objective and the twin-flecked mirror device. Why is uh, two-sided illumination so beneficial? If you think about the way the illumination light is delivered to the sample, it has become apparent that structures that are opposite uh, from the direction from where the light is coming from suffer from blurring. If we now illuminate from the other side by targeting the right mirror in this case, again, one side is slightly blurry. This blur can be overcome by merging the views that you get from illumination from left and right side in order to end up with a fused image with superior quality. Now let's have a quick look at the sample handling. Um, so mounting, of course, is, is very important to immobilize the sample for the subsequent imaging. And since researchers want to observe biological processes over a long period of time, correct mounting is essential to ensure also the, the viability and the growth. At the same time, Mounting should be easy and should be fast. And what, he, what we can do here is that the specimens can be conveniently mounted in conventional glass-bottom Petri dishes so that the user can stick to their familiar ways of mounting and they can start imaging without, without any delay. 
It shows you the procedure how to mount, for example, zebrafish embryos in agarose. The specimens are embedded inside the liquid agarose, and, and several of them can be aligned uh, in a row. At the end, you would only need to make space for the mirrors on either side by cutting away the polymerized agarose with a scalpel. So the fact that sev several samples can be mounted can be exploited by making use of the conventional stage functionality of the inverted microscope. Here you can see a multi-position experiment where two Drosophila embryos were embedded in a row and imaged alternately. Such a multiplexing can, of course, help to increase the, st the statistical significance of your experiments and also um, optimize the experimental workflow. If an interesting structure exceeds the field of view, tallying experiments can help to cover larger volumes. In this example, a 6 times 2 tile uh, was used to capture a part of an algae. The single tile, like the one you see on the right side, that individually provide good um, resolution are stitched together so that at the end you get a, a full structure with superior resolution. Um, since the light shade model is attached to a confocal platform, one can benefit from this combination to extend the range of possible applications. Um, so we mentioned before that the confocal scanner is used to generate the virtual light sheet. So by scanning a long line as shown in the upper left panel, the full field of view is filled with the light sheet as shown below in green. One can now, so to say, zoom in and narrow down the length of this line, and this results in a small stripe, so a light sheet that just fills a portion of the field of view, as shown in the blue image below. You could now imagine to generate the narrow stripe with, for example, the 405 laser line to use this for activation or conversion in a very defined region. Alternatively, it's also possible to make use of the confocal scanner to target the sample directly for all sorts of photo manipulations and later switch to light sheet imaging via the mirrors to gently observe any kind of manipulation over the, uh, a long time period. This slide shows an example of exactly such an application. So we used a, a zebrafish transgenic line which labels the microclear cells in the brain. Um, the fluorescent protein used is the photoconvertible CAEDA. Um, in the left panel, you see a single microclear cell in confocal mode before and after conversion with 405 laser. After exposure to the 405 nanometer light, a subpopulation of the proteins within the cell can also be visualized in the red channel, as you can see here after the photoconversion. Switching to the light sheet now allows to track those cells which have seen the 405 nanometer light in yellow within a population of non-converted cells uh, in green over a long period of time. Another example of possible manipulations is shown in this slide. So within the red circle you can see a bright spot which represents a wound inside the flank of another zebrafish embryo. The wound has been introduced by positioning a multi-photon laser there. The labeled immune cells are attracted to the wound and the behavior of these cells can again be observed using the light sheet module. Here we have combined photoconversion of a single cell using the 405 nanometer laser with wounding with a multi-photon laser. 
Again, we can observe how the cells migrate towards the induced wound, and it's possible to follow individual cells, even in different colors, due to the photoconversion that was applied. So what I could hopefully show you is that the Confocal platform offers already a number of different flavors. So from example, going from STAT to single molecule detection, multi-photon, or um, our white light laser, and this can now be complemented with the new light sheet module. So I'd like quickly summarize what um, the digital light sheet module um, can, um, can, can offer. So first of all, the gentle light sheet illumination increases the viability of living samples, and it's well suited for weakly fluorescent specimens. You can, of course, image highly dynamic processes, and the sample handling is convenient and supports multiplexing. The combination of confocal and light sheet opens different kinds of applications, and you can make use of all other flavors available on the SP8 platform and upgrade to light sheet functionality at any time. So um, I would like to thank you for your attention today, and I'd like to invite you to visit the Leica Science Lab and the SP8 um, DLS product page for more information on light sheet imaging. And uh, Florian and I will now be available to take your questions. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Petra and Florian. That was an excellent presentation. We have a few questions from the audience. If anyone else has a question, please feel free to post it in the questions box that appears on the right of your screen. So the first question we have is, what kind of objectives can be used on the Leica light sheet module? Okay. Yes, we can hear so you. The, the objectives that we offer for the DLS module, on the detection side, we have two um, um, water dipping objectives available at 10x 0.3 a numerical aperture objective and the 25x um, 0.95 detection objective and on the illumination side we have a 2.5x um, and a 5x um, objective available. Does Leica provide objectives corrected for mounting methods such as clarity that have different refractive index? Ah, okay. So um, the product launch is has been made with um, objectives that are only suitable for um, water um, as a as a as a mounting medium. But um, the question is, um, I mean, it, it's just a matter of of adding additional objectives, but they are not available at the moment. Okay. So our next question comes from. Um, Tiago, so I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but it's which kind of clearing techniques can be used with the, the objectives in the Leica light sheet, and which ones have you tested? Yeah, so that goes along the line. So at the moment, the, the samples need to be mounted in an aqueous solution. So uh, we have not really worked with cleared samples yet. This is something that we will do for the future. Okay, and... The next question comes from Anne. Can this microscope be combined with polarized light or a lens that could be rotated? It's it's difficult to say what polarized light. Um, so in the illumination path, I think there's general uh, the, the the laser is of course polar polarized, and um, I also think that one can add filters to the regular path. So the regular confocal or the regular microscope functionality is maintained. 
everything that you can do with a standard microscope, you can still do with a light sheet. Uh, polarized light microscopy on the basis of a light sheet microscope is something that I have not seen so far, so I cannot comment any with, and give any more detail because I I don't know how that should look like. Okay, and then we have a couple of questions about um, with a lens that can be a filler's a way to rotate the lens. Edgar says that in other light sheet, mi light sheet microscopes, the sample can be rotated to increase the overall reconstruction for the 3D reconstruction, and if the DLS can do that. Um, so um, the way it's implemented is in such a way that we have um, the, the, the sample, which is on the regular um, stage from the inverted microscope, and then we have the detection objective above and the illumination objective from below. So that, as such, does not foresee any sort of sample rotation. Um, of course, nobody would prevent any user to, to implement any um, rotation for themselves, but it's nothing that we are offering um, for now. And um, also then people have to think if, um, if the sample rotation is really required, because that is really only an issue if people want to look at, at big samples and are interested in, in total development of, of particular um, um, specimens or so. But it's nothing implemented uh, as such, no. Okay, and then I have, um, there's a question about the thickness. How thick, oh, how deep can you image in the tissue using the light sheet? That is, of course, very much dependent on the on the properties of the specimen itself. So, if you have a, a very a very transparent sample, then um, you can also penetrate very very nicely. But you have to think um, that even the, if so, the the illumination is coming from the side. Um, the the fluorescence that is emitted from the um, illuminated plane has to travel through the specimen. So the more opaque a specimen gets, the less transparent it is. But for example, if you look at the zebrafish examples that we have shown, we can easily go through the whole side of an embryo. And um, and and then it's a matter of, of, of working distances of, on the detection um, objective side. And that, I mean, if, if we look at the 10x objective, it has a working distance of, of 3.6 millimeters and the 25x of 2.5 millimeters. Okay, um, and so Frank says that he understands that the um, light sheet microscopy makes sense for a thick specimen, but he's wondering if there's also a benefit for single layer of eukaryotic cells with a thickness of, you know, for something that's a thickness of about 20 microns. And he means um, fixed cells without the need for time-resolved microscopy. If you have only a thickness of 20 microns, then it really depends on, on the kind of resolution that you want to obtain. If you work on, on that layer of cells with a light sheet thickness of, of three microns or so, then you can probably take six layers, and then it's questionable if it will bring you any advantage. On the other hand, if you want to go really to high resolution, if you want to, to get a number of layers that is, is far beyond 10 or so, then you might think about it also concerning. It really depends on the on the resolution that you want to maintain, uh, that you want to obtain, yeah. Um, 
generally with uh, with very flat samples it's it's very difficult to illuminate them from the side because you always in any any kind of light sheet setup you need some distance to to a substrate if you want to illuminate from the side and and so the light sheet on the lowest level or lowest on the bottom of the sample always somehow has to travel partly through the substrate and and this can be quite difficult so on on cells that are really close to some some substrate i would not really recommend it unless there is some some really high speed or some some very high need for uh, for low uh, for a low dose of, of light for low exposure yeah that's that's about what i can comment on that question okay so we have another question from um Marcus asking if you can use the light sheet imaging and the confocal imaging simultaneously. Um, so you cannot use it really simultaneously, but uh, you can switch very fast between the different modalities. So since we're using the same the same laser that is used for confocal imaging, also for the generation of the light sheet, simultaneous usage is not is not, um, not possible. But as I said, for the 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 um, application examples that we showed where we did the manipulations, you can preset everything in the light sheet um, control and then go to the confocal setup, do the manipulation, just switch quickly back, hit start, and start the acquisition with light sheet. Okay, and then we have a question from Paige asking about what adaptations have been added to control environment and thermal expansion during long-term imaging? Thermal expansion? Um, so if you want to do long-term experiments and you want to control the environmental conditions, you can just simply add an environmental chamber that um, people are re regularly using also for an inverted microscope that is adaptable to also the light sheet module on the SP8 confocal. Okay. And then we have a question about how long it how long does it take to capture one plane using the light sheet? That depends on the exposure time that you that you set. So, um, of course, it's based on a camera acquisition, and therefore, dependent on the laser power and the and the and the fluorescence um, that you have on your sample, you can afford to go down to as as little as 1.2 microseconds for um, acquisition of one plane. Okay, and then we have a question about. Uh, the spacing between the the wings of the mirror. So, what is the maximum width of the sample? So, I guess what he's asking um, okay, is, what is the like? How wide can it be? Yes. So, the 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 mirror geometry is 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 such that if you're using the 2.5x illumination objective, the 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 two mirrors, so the wings are five millimeters apart from each other. So that is, of course, only limiting one axis of your sample. So if you mount it in such a way that the long axis is is pointing um, um, 
to um, in this axis where the mirrors are not that is not limited and then the the axis which is between the mirrors should not be much bigger than two millimeters in order to have fully freedom of maneuver between the mirrors so that you can look at any any position of your of your sample so with the five millimeter distance the sample then the, the narrowest position should be around two millimeters 2.5 not much more okay and um, so we have a question from Costanza asking would it be possible to use the light sheet for single particle tracking experiments um, okay, I'm going to take that. We haven't looked at it so far. Single particle tracking, I think, is a, is a high-speed application, and it really depends which temporal resolution you want to obtain. I think it's, it can go pretty fast with a, with a DLS and um, a couple of hundred frames per second should be possible. 66 frames per second are frame. full frame are possible and you can also go faster if uh, if you reduce the the, um, the field of view to to a subregion so if if you want to capture processes in that speed range then then it's fine okay which lasers are available for the light sheet module Basically, you can you can use any lasers that are available on the SB8 Confocal. So, um, if you have equipped your 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 Confocal with a 405 nanometer laser or an argon laser or any other laser in the visible range, that can also be used for the generation of the light sheet. And you can even use a white light laser if your Confocal is equipped with such a, a laser. Okay, and is the DLS module also available for upright microscopes? Um, no, that's not possible. So you need to have, in order to have access to the DLS module, you need to have an inverted microscope stand and an SP8 scanner. Those are the two prerequisites. And basically by adding the, um, the DLS module, we add an upright access to an inverted microscope. Okay, so that brings us to, I don't think there are any more questions from the audience. So that brings us to the end of our seminar. Thanks again, Petra and Florian, for a very illuminating presentation and a great discussion. And finally, thank thanks you, Amanda. Oh, thank you. And finally, thanks to you, the audience, for taking the time to listen and attend our webinar. If you've enjoyed the seminar and would like to view the video recording of the session, please visit the seminars page on bitesizebio.com. It should be available within the next 24 hours. There, you can also see the other webinars we have lined up for you. So until next time, good luck in your research and goodbye from all of us from Leica and Bite Size Bio. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the webinar. To view the full video version of this and all of our other webinars, please visit bitesizebio.com slash webinars. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. 
visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for mentors at your bench site in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists. 